0: Well, good evening everybody. Welcome to the House of the Lord. Are we ready to praise God tonight? Amen. So I see a lot of new faces here tonight, so I want to welcome the visitors. You're welcome here. Thank you for coming. Uh, And all those that come all the time, you're welcome too. So praise God. Amen. I got a question for you. Why are you careful when it's raining cats and dogs? You might step in a poodle. Amen.
1: (laughs) Try the fish. All right.
0: (laughs) Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him, and he with me. We just had a great meal Brothers and sisters, now it's time to feed on the word and enjoy some praise and worship. Are you ready? Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to have our our brother Mike pray us in, and then we'll get into some praise and worship.
1: Okay, Heavenly Father, God, how wonderful it is that you are. The gifts that you gave us to pay for our sins, God, so awesome. Well, Lord God, tonight we worship you. Room As we pour out an offering of praise, Lord, we desire you to be in our presence. Oh, Holy Spirit, be with us. You are welcome here. the message, Lord. We ask you to bless that. You give him strength to bring it. You. Your word is truth. God, you are love. We love you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Let's all stand. Psalm 148 is, is a real interesting psalm in that the writer talks about all aspects of creation giving glory to the Lord our God. Amen. So we've got a new one tonight that we're going to start and uh, that's what it's about. Let's let the whole earth resonate with this praise. Yeah.
2: The mountains sing from on high, proclaiming in the desert, from valley unto sky, grace overflowing, mercy has drawn near, love overwhelming, freedom is here. Let the nations worship.
1: love the world. We give you praise tonight, O oh Lord. We thank you that the power of hell has been defeated. Lord, we are here in this world to be salt and to be light. Lord may we be salty and lit. We thank you so much, Lord. We thank you so much.
2: This is the body, this is a blood, broken and poured out for all of us, and in this communion, we share in His love. This is the body This is the blood When I remember everything, Lord, you've done for me I won't take for granted the sacrifice that set me For your presence here
1: so much Lord in our modern terms we'd say it's a game changer Lord that you could take a piece of clay and blow into it and make something alive and that clay would rebel against you but yet you said I can fix that yes and for those of us Lord who would open ourselves up to you you say I can work with that We thank you so much Lord We praise you, Lord. We just ask for more of your love. Lord, we ask for more of your power. We need more of you in our lives. that we can gather together. We can gather together not just in an idea but in spirit. Lord, it's your Holy Spirit that binds us together. Lord, it's your word that teaches us. Lord, it's your love and your mercy and your compassion that has set us free. So, Lord, tonight I just pray
3: that our eyes would
1: be open to you. Our ears would be open to hear your voice. And our hearts would be willing to understand and receive your word, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We praise you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. We can be seated.
0: Thank you. Well, amen. Wasn't that enjoyable? I love praise and worship. Always gets me in the mood and ready for the word. Amen amen so i just want to uh give you all a reminder there are many other uh, times during the week that uh, we get together and fellowship and and learn from god and we uh, pray for one another so uh, if you want to get involved in any of those we have one on monday night one on tuesday night and one on thursday night you want to know more just uh ask me or or deb or louise or anybody who's around We'll, we'll be able to tell you more about that amen amen all right we're going to uh before I ask my brother Ray, go ahead and start walking this way, Ray. Um, I have a question for you. What do you call a grizzly bear with no teeth? A gummy bear! A gummy bear. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Brother Ray, go ahead. All right, let's get into some praise and worship, or some praise and prayer reports.
3: Thank you, brother. Yes. yes. Back to me when yes. Hello, everybody. How are we doing this evening? That's good, that's good. It's good to be in the house of the Lord amongst the body of Christ. Are we truly all assembled as one? One faith under Jesus? Only one name under heaven in which we know that men can be saved? Men and women, brothers and sisters. We truly are family. And it's a wonderful thing to be here and stand at this podium. It really is. It's an honor. It's a great responsibility. It truly is just to be able to stand in front of the family and it's a family of faith. We're not DNA connected, except through the DNA of the Holy Spirit. So I thank everyone for the opportunity to be able to stand here and do this. Um, I'm going to read a word, and then we're going to get into praise and then prayer. Or excuse me, um, prayer requests and um, praise reports. The Spirit of the Lord gave this to me, and I, it, it really washed me because of the struggles that we're going through in life. And what he said is, out of James chapter 2, verse 19, you believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe, and they tremble. You have more power, we have more power in us than anything that can come against us. We have people who are passing on, transitioning on, and we're here, and we're concerned if they're gonna make it in. But if we simply believe and say, by faith, we give them into your hands, they're yours anyway. We have others who have become grandparents for the first time, and we wanna smile and be in the moment with them. Let's honor that and say, you brought new life into this world to fight in this world. We don't know what they're gonna be 15 years from now, 20 years from now, but we can say they can be a soldier for the Lord. Mm-hmm. We truly can. The next word he gave me, praise him, thank you, I love him so dearly, is out of James chapter five. About four weeks ago, there was a beloved member in the family who said this. They stood up here with their voice trembling. And if I say their name, You'll remember. I really truly believe you'll remember. But they stood here and said, I love you all because I watch you persevere. I watch you persevere. Are we really watching each other, looking out for one another through the good times, the bad times, the mediocre times? And be able to say the same thing say, I'm watching you because you are persevering. No matter what you endure, (laughs) trust and believe, He's already saw you through it. He's with you today. He was with you yesterday. He is with us forevermore. So this is what he said to me. Hallelujah. James chapter 5 verse 11. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance. Hallelujah. Persevere. You can make it through. Dig deep. Get some grit. Get some tenacity. And tell everything that said no, 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 no. Everything with Christ Jesus and God the Father is yes and amen. He meant good for us. For he knew the plans that he had for our life. He knows it. Hallelujah. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord. Not the devil, not the enemy, but grace. And I say that first because there was a message preached just recently how much we lift up grace. But the speaker of the house said, let's talk about mercy. Because we sure need it. He said it's new every day. I know I need a touch of it every day. Because I can get a little sideways when people make me upset. <laughs> Come on now. I know. <laughs> I, I seen it. I'm a witness. <laughs> so he says again, you have heard the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord. That the Lord is very compassionate. And what? Merciful. Can we just, let us bear one another's burdens. When we get in a mode of complaining, we may, have a, we may have a legitimate gripe, but let us not stay there. Let us not stay there. Robin was so beautiful today, I couldn't take my eyes off. She's just a bubble of joy. Bubble, just you're just, you just drawn in. You know somebody yawns, you might yawn. You smile, somebody might smile. Well that's the love of Christ. If we just step in his good pleasure, we'll smile through it all. We'll cry, we'll weep, but it'll come back as a smile because it was a lesson. Time is short. Today is the day of salvation. You have today. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. So whatever you have to do today to say, Father, I believe that there is one God, one Savior, the the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, one, and because of what he did for me, I'm going to rejoice, I'm going to dance, I'm going to shout, I'm going to clap my hands, I'm going to give you glory before I go to sleep. Because you gave it to me. He said, while I'm here, I'm light. But then when he left, he said what? There was a command. You be light. You be soft. So don't get dim. When you think it's about to get dark, uh-uh, turn it up. Give him a shout. Start singing your favorite gospel song. If it's a Kirk Franklin, everybody may not like Kirk Franklin, but get your groove on. Now, see, I like to dance. I'll dip a little on you. It may look crazy, but I used to do some crazy things in the street. Now I do it for him. Hallelujah. He said, go ahead and get loose in the Holy Spirit, and it will move you to sing and dance. It will move you to shout, and people look at you like, what happened? When they say, what happened, it's a doorway to open up and say, let me tell you about somebody who loves me and loves you more than you could ever love yourself hallelujah so i'm not gonna stand up here and preach too long but uh, i thank you for that moment father i thank you i truly thank you for this honor to serve you in all ways possible i open up my heart to you lead me and guide me direct us all in the way in the path that you should go anything that's not like you remove it from us it may be tough surgery can be just that but you heal us and sometimes you heal us so good that there is no scar because the scar is on you thank you we love you for that so thank you for this moment and let us join together and be one family fighting with a mighty fist to knock the enemy dead in his mouth and send him right back where he's going to anyway, straight to hell. In the name of Jesus. So let's go ahead and open this up for prayer requests. Go ahead and go up in prayer. Father, we thank you for all the hearts that presented it presented themselves today you heard exactly what they were asking for you knew what they were in need of before they even brought it to you but it is good to know that they have the courage to speak up and speak out and let it be known what it is that is on their heart and that is weighing them down for those who um, are struggling with the loved ones who they do not know if they're absolutely saved let them continue to present themselves again what you've given is light and salt let them be kind let that spirit of of the Holy Spirit show up, gentleness, long-suffering, self-control, let them have that sense of goodness that no matter what takes place around them or in their hearing ear or they feel like it's just too much to bear, that it is because of you that we are capable to stand because truly the simplicity is in your word. When you said once we've done all we can do, Simply stand and you will take care of the rest. And you've made it clear without faith, it is impossible to please you. So again, we trust and believe that you still are working on the scene, that you still are a miracle worker, that you have over allowed over 7 billion plus people to be birthed on this earth in many different fields and occupations. And we know that you've created every hand and every feet every foot. So we're just going to trust you that you are working it out all for our good simply because we are faith believers in you and you've made it clear this is your beloved son in whom you're well pleased and as Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God we believe that we believe that blood has saved us. We believe that that blood is going to get us through by the word of our testament, testimony, and the blood of the Lamb. We thank you. We thank you for each and every person in this space that we know that if we need help, that someone in this space will be there for us to help us because you've made it so. In the name of Jesus, amen.
0: I just want to remind you brothers and sisters that we have many brothers and sisters behind the wall that are struggling and suffering right now. Many that have had services taken away or even struggling to get to a service. So let's, this week, let's keep them in our prayers. Let's think about them and pray for them. You know, we got an email recently from inside the walls and it, 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 it touched us. It, it hurt our hearts and uh, made us remember that, you know, God's needed everywhere. God's, God needs to be in our hearts. Amen? Amen? Amen. So as we prepare to to invite a brother up, I got one last question for you. <laughs> oh, now I forgot what the question was. Oh, why do kings need royal seals? Or why do they have royal seals? Because royal, royal warruses eat too much. Brother Seku? <laughs> <laughs>
4: And and then you want me to come up here after that? <laughs> Let's all stand for the benediction. <laughs> this is, this is <laughs>
2: uh,
4: it is good to be here. It is good to be among you guys. Um, several weeks ago, I think I was talking to Mark, and I didn't I didn't preach that week. But I was talking about um, growing pains, and and we suffer them. We're dealing with them, just like when the uh, original church had Jewish believers and then they had Hellenists or the Greek background people that came into the church, there was a clash. It's growing pains and we go through the same thing. But it's, even though we may uh, inadvertently hurt one another and, and we struggle and we go through things, this church still grows because of it. This body still grows because of it, and God adds to the church such as he sees fit, and it's just a wonderful thing to see that. Uh, Ray just talked about families. I don't know a family that gets along 100%. You know, all families got issues. All families got issues. Don't, Don't think that your family is the best thing since sliced bread. All families have issues, but all families are bound together, and we are not only bound together by the blood of Jesus Christ, but we are knit together in love. And it doesn't mean sometimes we always like, but we are knit together in love. And that's a painful process, but praise God that he has put us together. Also, it means that if one person is going through something, whoever they're knit together with is going to fill it. And these things happen, but we always make sure eventually to look to the hills from whence comes our help. And we look to Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, before I begin, we're going to be in 1 Samuel, so you can turn there, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17. And you can blame um, Kevin for this, since he wanted to go Old Testament. Uh, <laughs> <Hallelujah>. <laughs> but some of y'all have the, the blessed history of being born in Arizona. I was not. Now, I have spent more than half my life here. Uh, but my first 18 years was in Minnesota. And in Minnesota, it's, it's a little different than here in Arizona. Those of y'all from Michigan, uh, those of y'all from North and South Dakota, Iowa, uh, and really Michigan is just Detroit that matters. The rest of Michigan seems to have gone crazy. Um, but if you're from the Midwest, you know one thing, more so than New York, Massachusetts, Pennsylvania, they get cold. They do get cold. I won't deny that. Minnesota gets ridiculous. Like the the first time or the second time that I left Minnesota and I says I've had enough, they said our high today is gonna be negative (laughs) seven. The high temperature today is gonna be negative seven. That's that's not a high, that's just not as low as the low temperature. That's still cold. Negative seven is dangerously cold. And so when you live in Minnesota, you have to do a number of things to protect yourself from the cold. You wear gloves or mittens, boots, several pairs of socks, long johns, all sorts of stuff, hats, you name it, you're wearing it because you are trying to protect yourself from the cold. If you go outside and you forgot something, or your coat's not long enough or your pants aren't long enough or there's a hole in your shoe that keeps letting the snow in and it starts melting eventually you start realizing you got a problem but by the time that you're out in the elements this problem whether it's the insulation in your coat or whatever it is starts to get worse and worse and you go outside ready to go well People will go outside. I never liked going to playing in the snow. It was just like, why? But people go outside and they're like, "Yeah, we're going to go shovel, we're going to go play around in the snow." And then all the different areas where they're not protected, starts bothering them. starts eating at them, and cold, once it gets a hold of you, it gets miserable. Like you go in there, and, and trust me, if you ever visit Minnesota iowa detroit michigan or whatever and your hands are cold do not put your hands under hot water believe me cold water is going to be hot enough so you 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 go in you're miserable you're trying to figure out a way to alleviate the problem but the problem started because you weren't as covered as you should have been today we're going to talk about a very famous bible story But in this Bible story, we're going to look at it in a way that's a little bit different because we're not going to look at the standard people or the standard things that we look at. We're going to look at where armor has failed people. So 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter, if you're there, say amen. Amen. If you're not there, say amen. If you didn't bring a Bible, say amen, and then we'll have a conversation afterwards. Would you all stand in honor of reading God's word? 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 31 through 40. 31 through 40. This is David speaking to Saul after the uh, giant named Goliath, who is a Philistine warrior, is saying negative things. He's woofing at Israel, and he's got them all intimidated, except for David. And David makes a stirring in the camp. And Saul calls for him because he begins to hear about what is going on. Verse 31, now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul and he sent for him. Then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him for you are a youth and he is a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it, and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. So Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook. He put them in a shepherd's bag, in a pouch which he had, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. Let's pray. Father, this is your word, and we are your people. Tonight we pray that it is you who illuminates our hearts and minds through your spirit with what you would have for each and every one of us. Help us to realize your word. Help us to not only realize it, but to understand it, grasp it to make it a part of us, and then be able to share it with others. Lord, let your word not only wash us, but equip us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, you may think that we're going to talk about David, and we're not. And you may think that we're going to focus on Goliath, and we're not. Or that we're going to focus on Israel, but we're not. Right now, we are directly focused on Saul. And you would say, well, why Saul? Because Saul is a great example of someone whose armor has failed him. Now, for each and every one of us, looking back at it, it's not, it would seem like it's a quick story and not that big a deal. But look at the context. Look at the circumstances that are going on. Number one, Saul's armor was not cheap. Saul's armor was not something that was cobbled together where he looked like, you know, tin man. Uh, Saul's armor was the latest technology. It was the top of the line. It was it symbolized power. It symbolized wealth. And so when the king would ride in the battle, you would know this is the king because he wears armor that is far more substantial than anybody else that's around him. However, He's not wearing his armor in this moment. He's sitting in his tent. There is a giant that is outside that is making a loud noise and defying the armies of Israel. And Saul is in his tent. So here is David. And David comes along and says, you know what, I will go take care of this. And Saul says, all right, well, you know what? God bless you. Here's my armor. You say, well, what's the problem with that? David couldn't walk in something he hadn't proved. You're right, but I want you to take a look a little deeper at the situation. Because this often happens to us. The armor that Saul had was meant to protect him when he went out into combat. But something bypassed that armor to the point where he did not want to go into combat against this Philistine. His armor failed him. But really, it wasn't even the armor. The insults and the bravado of Goliath not only intimidated Saul, it intimidated the armies. You would think this is a leader. This is somebody who should stand up on behalf of the people. The kings of Israel are considered shepherds for a reason. And what David did and what David said in his testimony is an example of why the the kings of Israel are considered shepherds. They go out and attack the bear. They go out and attack the lion. They protect the sheep. Here is Saul hiding in his tent. Why is Saul hiding in his tent? Something that bypassed his armor attacked an area where the armor really couldn't cover. His insecurity, his personality. And because of the words of Goliath, he allowed that to not only get past his external, but get into his internal, and it began to slow Saul down to the point to where not only did he not stand as a leader, but now he's expecting a little boy, because David's not a man at this point, he's not the warrior, he's expecting a boy to be the deliverance of Israel. That's like me sending my son Kyrie when he was 13, 14, 15 years old and saying, you know what? I don't know if I want to go face the gangs in the neighborhood because they're causing problems. I'm going to go send my son, who's barely a teenager himself. Not only that, but something that most people overlook. Again, when Saul goes into battle, his armor is distinct. So now he's putting his armor on this little boy to go out and fight in his place. So when people see the army, are they gonna see David or are they gonna see Saul? So there is some some trickery going on with this situation, but ultimately at the end of the day, it is the fact that his armor wasn't enough for him to go into battle with Goliath. He could not do it. What gets through our armor. What is it that we go through on the course of any given day where we're, th- we're, we're thinking that we're strong, we think we got it all together, and that one person or that one situation can come in, bypass all the points where you thought you were strong, and get to that one little part that you try to cover up, and that's that weakness, and it tends to provoke it. When it comes to physical opposition behind it, there is some sort of spiritual opposition pushing it. That's why the Bible tells us that we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and high places and spiritual wickedness, all of these things. Because you may think, well, he just plays the drums that way just to throw me off time. He don't like me. And he may not. I don't know. Do you like me? Make sure just make sure this ain't factual. We'll have to stop this and we'll have oh, to have God. a little <laughs> <laughs> But what we neglect, especially in our mentality, is to stop and say what is behind this. His issues are his issues. But what is behind this that is causing him, showing him sometimes what to say that will get right up underneath my armor and hit that point that just makes me freak out i'm not just saying this because you know it's a good sermon or a good topic i say this from experience you guys might all have this perfect but there are certain things that people can say to me certain words i'm not going to say what the well i'll say what one is it begins with an l so if I'm out there fully doing whatever, especially where I work, at Peddlers, again, another cold environment where you have to make sure you're fully covered or it's a bad day. But if I'm out there and I am, and, and Ray Ray works with me, um, but he hasn't seen me go ham like like Eric has or, or you know even Kevin to a certain extent because I haven't really had to do that where I'm at. But when I'm out there, Pulling and doing what I'm doing, what I'm not supposed to be doing, but I'm doing it anyways because we're all backed up. I'm already on the edge. And all it takes is one person to go, you ain't doing nothing. You're just lazy. And I should know better. But it just gets right past my defenses and gets right up in there and and it just hits childhood trauma and all this other nonsense. And I want to shut down and just say, you know what? I'm done. I've had it. I'm, I'm good. And I get all upset. Because somebody said something and didn't even realize the power that they had in saying that. Lazy. I hate that word. I still hate that word. I should know better, but I still hate that word. But now I pay attention. But the thing is, all of us have some sort of word, some sort of situation that will get right up underneath our skin and we start spiraling. And it takes a while to get out of that. And we do like Saul. Instead of running into the battle, we go run into the tent. Instead of facing the opposition, we go and we look in the mirror. And sometimes we don't even do that because we don't like what we see in the mirror. So we just go (laughs) go say some words. I just don't want to be bothered. I'm not saying don't get away. I'm saying look at what happens when your armor fails you. And that spot that's exposed that you don't even realize gets tapped and all of a sudden, Everything just comes out the woodwork. We start yelling at people. We're angry. We want to throw people out of the car. Fifteen miles away from the house, <laughs> one of my coworkers told me about that situation while I was preparing. He didn't know I was preparing for this, but he said, "Yeah." He said I had to walk once, and I had to walk through the freeway. Why? He said, "Well, my 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 girl kicked me out the car." on like 99, or Jack Jackrabbit, and he stayed on like 75th Avenue or something like that. So the only way to get through the wash, the river, was either go through the river and face the wild dogs or go over the freeway bridge. He went on the freeway bridge and the cop yelled at him. And, and, but I kind of went back to the fight. The fight that was bad enough that he got kicked, he didn't even get kicked out the car, he got out the car to get something and she left. We know how to do that. It seems like, especially if you're married, and I don't mean to pick on married people because single people do it too, and some of us are divorced because of this very reason. It seems like when you know somebody long enough, you know what to say to bother them to no end, even if you don't know the full impact of it. We call it landmines. Sometimes there's people that you deal with. You don't don't realize what's up underneath the surface. It's landmines. Sometimes they don't even realize what's up underneath the surface. And I just happened to pick the wrong day to say, you know what, that is a weird yellow shirt you got. And he says, I don't like yellow, it's gray. And he starts going off on me. And I'm going, it's just a shirt, bro. But I don't know what's up underneath that. I'm going to share something with y'all, and, and hopefully y'all don't use this against me like somebody in here tried to use the potatoes against me because um, I can't stand red potatoes. They just freak me out. And there's no reason for that. I just don't like the holes. It they, they just, just bothers me. just bothers me. Please do not give me red potatoes. <laughs> but one thing that seriously does freak me out that most people don't realize is white paint. I'm not talking about like off-white paint. I'm talking about that bright. Like, you go in there, and it looks like fresh snow that's all over the walls, and they just, they're so bright. And so, and you will go, well, why would that bother you? Because I would not eat eggs with the yolk running with my stepmother. I just thought it was disgusting. I happened to be like six, seven years old. She got highly upset about that. I got a whooping. I got put in this white room with no furniture, no nothing, just sitting in a chair in a white room. I I'm in kindergarten. And it's just this room was torture, the eggs is torture, and, and just being in this room by myself, feeling just hated and, and rejected and trying to figure out why, and I associate that with that color, even to this day, now I've worked on it. But people don't know that. So if they put, <laughs> they put me in a room and they say, hey, why don't you, you know, like, let's say a, uh, you get arrested and you go to jail and they put you in this cell and it has those stupid white walls, and they're going, I'll oh, just get over it. I you know what? You know how hard it is. You don't even know all the stuff that's behind the trauma. You don't know it. They inadvertently set something off. Saul promoted the king, loved the pompous, the, the pompous, the pomp, the, the pompous circumstance of it until the test happened. And when the test happened, he went and hid in the tent. We like the attention. But when the attention gets to the point where it gets right up underneath our skin, all of a sudden we run and we don't want to face Goliath anymore. Our armor has failed us. All of us in this room can think of something that has gotten past our armor that just bothers us. Sometimes we don't tell people about it because we don't want to give them power. But as tough as we think we are, as much of an identity as we build, oh, I'm a manager, I'm a CEO, I'm a multimillionaire, I'm, I, I can bench press 300 pounds, I can play scales and modes like nobody's business. At the end of the day, all of these things can be things we promote so that nobody sees how frail we really are. And then when somebody inadvertently or even purposely starts speaking to that insecurity and that frailty, we go and hide. I did this a couple of weeks ago. So I'm just being real. I did this a couple of weeks ago. I had to go figure some things out. Number one, why am I hiding? <laughs> like, I'm saying this so you don't have this happen to you and then you turn around and go, something's wrong with me. I, I use the analogy, I, I talked about it with, I think, Kevin and, and, and Deb and a couple other people, that if you're in a car and you're by yourself in the car, and people are spinning out around you. And I've had this happen on a 10. It's raining. I'm driving. The dog's chill. I'm chill. Everybody else around me is losing their mind, speeding and doing whatever. And one car happened to um, tried to pass somebody over here and they ended up or they, over here. They tried to pass somebody, went too fast, hydroplane, slammed into the center median in front of me and then bounced off the center median and went across all lanes of traffic. Nobody got hit. And I'm just going, wow, lay off the gas, don't hit the brakes because I know what will happen. And I had just told the dog a few seconds earlier, too, like, I know what I'm doing. Not like the dog really cares, but it was just the confidence. I was just like, I know what I'm doing. Bam, bam. And I was like, whew, thank you, Jesus, we're getting off the freeway. But that's just me. Imagine if people were in the car. As tough as you are, <laughs> if, somebody, if the rest of the car is screaming and yelling, it's going to affect you. And you're start, your nerves will start rising up because of the circumstance and the environment. And so when that happens, even the toughest people, to think that the people that think they're tough, can still fall under the collective uh, situation that's going on. And for those of y'all that say that ain't me, let me find out how many of y'all panicked during COVID. <laughs> I ain't worried about no COVID, but we're surrounded so many people that are worried about COVID that we started being worried about COVID. Our armor failed. Something got up underneath it. For Paul, I mean for Saul, First Samuel chapter 17, verse 10 and 11, which we should have it up here, but we might not. This is what Goliath said. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we might fight together. Next verse. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, Saul and all Israel heard the words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Well, I'm a Christian. That won't happen to me. It'll happen. Ask Peter. It's what you do on the back end of it. What gets through our armor? Well, let me re re-address that, because that's kind of part of the problem, is that it's our armor, our defense systems, our pillars of strength that we have in our life that we built up and said, this is how I get down. This is how I make sure that nobody considers me weak. This is how I get down and make sure that nobody considers me a pushover. This is how I've developed my defenses and my offenses so that I can stand in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Romans chapter 13, verse 12 and 14. And it reads as this. Eric's trying to keep up with me. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Notice the contrast here. The works of darkness let us put on the armor of light. Our works of darkness have been with us for so long that sometimes they become comfortable. Ray mentioned earlier about stand, jumping in my notes. But when we stand, sometimes we can get to a point of grace where God says, this is as much as I want you to do but much more is required, much more is demanded. And instead of saying, this is what God has asked me to do in this situation, let's find somebody else who can minister here, what happens is we try to compensate for a lack of spiritual ability or where we think that the spiritual ability doesn't have us covered and we dip into our flesh. If Chris, and I'm picking on Chris uh, um, (laughs) because Blake is sunburnt and beat up. (laughs) So I won't pick on him today. It might keep him awake, but he worked hard. Chris comes to me, and he's yelling at me, pointing his finger in my face, you know, like kids in the back seat. I'm not touching you. Not touching you. And I'm not. He's not touching me, but it's still annoying. And I can say, you know, go in Jesus' name and sin no more. You know what? I'm about tired of this. Boom! The Bible says the wrath of man doesn't work the righteousness of God, but the wrath of man has gotten me, you know, some people off my back quite often in the past. That if me being holy isn't working, I know where to go to get you off of me in a hurry. Quiet in here. <laughs> we uh, we had a conversation about a, a guy. I won't I won't say his name because this is recording and who knows who hears it. We have people in countries that hear this recording so I'll be I'll behave but his idea when somebody was acting up in the trailer park and this is a man that you know you got to be saved and do this do that uh, but somebody acted up in the trailer park and he says well we, we handle it in our way they were going to beat him up they were going to they were going to beat him up that's not what the bible says when it says lay hands that's <laughs> not what that means that's too much prison mentality And the problem with prison mentality is that's how you learn to be tough in prison, but that's not how you learn to be tough in Christ. And so he used what seems strongest to accomplish his goal. If it's the ways of God, then praise God, that's what we'll do. But if God's ways are too slow, we know how to motivate people to get them to do what we need to do. And we do the same thing. We can fall back on things of the flesh or works of darkness that we have built as armor but in all seriousness that armor has proven to be inadequate. My words, no matter how mellifluous I can speak, I'll tell you all what that means later. It's actually an English word. I learned it from Big Bang Theory. Uh, No matter how pleasant my words are, if God says for me to be silent, Then he expects me to be silent. No matter how strong I am, if he says stand still and see that I am God, then no amount of effort is going to get the job done like he is. So he says, put on the armor of light. Next verse. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry or drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. And if you look at what those things of our armor, those fleshly acts of darkness do, I guarantee you at the end of it, you may think that you've accomplished the argument, but now you got strife, you got envy, you got all sorts of problems. Tell you a principle. I usually tell people this when I'm, I'm counseling them or working with them. You beget your own kind. That comes out of Genesis, not three, comes out of Genesis one, but you beget your own kind. You don't take two dogs, put them together, let them do their thing in the backyard. And then I don't know how long it takes dogs to have puppies. But after so many months, the dogs, you know, the the end result happens and cats are born. Dogs don't beget cats. Dogs beget dogs. Yes, I'm talking to you. The dog, y'all, don't, y'all didn't see it, the dog's looking at me. The minute I say I'm talking to you, the dog looks at Dennis. <laughs> cats beget cats, oranges beget oranges, apples beget apples, you beget your own kind. That's one of the reasons, this is not the sermon topic, that's one of the reasons why GMO is kind of dangerous. Because we're taking things that God did not intend to mix and mixing them, and we don't know the result of that. You're not going to get a dog and mix it with a giraffe and have a giraffe vault log or whatever you want to call it and expect good things to happen. God has divine order and when we start messing with that divine order, bad things happen. Bad things happen. You beget your own kind. So, Adam, being born in sin, cannot beget somebody who is sinless. You beget your own kind. Jesus, on the other hand... (laughs) Having adopted us and made us born again, born from above, means that there's a part of us that isn't going to sin. We struggle with the old man that we need to let alone and let him die. And that's where the problem happens with this principle. Flesh begets flesh. Spirit begets spirit. Somebody, not my advice, but somebody once said to a couple, when you get into an argument, start using honey, honey. And all the other pet words that, you know, couples call each other, I don't even know all the words. It's just, it, it seemed crazy to me. I, but I had my name and my wife, ex-wife, she had hers. But all couples have like these weird names that they call one another. You know, babe, boo, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, when you get in the argument, those words are completely gone. You... And you better not dishes are being thrown all this other stuff is going on y'all got not nice words for each other so his advice was when you get into an argument still do you use those names of endearment that you have from one another can you imagine arguing like, look honey you need to look look babe you can't do that after a while the argument starts to lose ground because you're like this is silly this is silly but it reminds you to keep the argument in the sense of forwarding the relationship, not trying to prove one is right or the other's right because you're not a couple, you're really two individuals with a marriage license. Ooh, okay, let me get off of that. (laughs) Flesh begets flesh. So when I go to Chris and I'm in the flesh, and he's in the flesh, there is nothing spiritual that's going to come of that. We're just, going to, we're just going to get down and brawl. Flesh begets flesh. If he's in the spirit and I'm in the flesh, and I'm like, you know what? I don't like the way you play drums, and you, threw, you turned off the helix, even though I turned off the drum set, but <laughs> <laughs> you did this, that, and the other, and I'm just, ah, I'm in the flesh. Now he turns around and he says, Lord Jesus, forgive him, for he doesn't know what he does. He remains calm. He stays in the spirit. talks to me from the holy spirit there's only two things that are going to happen i'm going to get completely fleshed out and beat him up and then walk off or either way i'm going to remain in the flesh and walk off because i can't relate to that or i'm going to stop and repent and say you know what brother you're right i have an issue but let's handle this as spirit-filled believers instead of two gorillas that just want to show each other who's right Flesh begets flesh, but spirit begets spirit. The reason why I bring that up is because the old armor that we have does not defend us in the new battle that we're fighting. As a matter of fact, if you really ask yourself the question seriously, did it really work when you didn't know Jesus? (laughs) It didn't. So why do you think it's going to work now when now that you have the blood of Jesus covering you, now that you proclaim the name of Jesus and you believe in the salvation that he has provided for you, and now a whole different battle is upon you, what makes you think that the armor of darkness is really going to accomplish the goal when darkness attacks you? It's not. Ephesians chapter 6. Y'all know this scripture. This is a good reminder. Y'all used to go through scripture after scripture after scripture. We're not doing that today. We're just going to focus on where we're at. Because not only is it good to be reminded, it's also good to be able to remind Seku <laughs> And each other. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, speaks of this. I even alluded to this earlier, that we are not in a battle with just flesh and blood. We're actually in a battle with things that are behind the flesh and blood. I I don't want to use a matrix quote, even though the screen's green, so I'll leave that alone. But when you really think that there's something major going on, sometimes we give people way too much credit. Look, when we had an attack here in this church, you would think that um, we would stop and go, okay, you know what, I can see what's behind this. But when you have the job that all of a sudden decides it wants to act haywire at the same time, and then people want to cut you off on the road, and then a rock hits your windshield, and all these other things going on, that's way too much of a coincidence to be chance. So we give men too much power and women too much power and and we neglect to look at or acknowledge that there is something behind the scenes that is manipulating people like puppets for the intent and purpose to get us as Christians to stop standing for the light and to sit down in a cave somewhere and be quiet and not proclaim the gospel that can save souls. So our former weapons do no good. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Paul says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in my physical ability. Be strong in my physical prowess. How much money I have, what kind of car I drive. Be strong in my intellectual ability. He says, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Our strength doesn't cut it, but we need a strength. That not only can match what is facing us, but has authority over what is facing us. Because all power in heaven and on earth is given not to Lucifer and definitely not to fleshly people. It's given to the Lord Jesus Christ, of whom we are the body of Jesus Christ. Which means that our head has all power in heaven and on earth. Our authority isn't going to get the job done. But when we start realizing and being able to stand in that phrase that we take uh, um, um, as a joke or not as serious as it is, in the name of Jesus, and we can stand and speak it with authority, it's not us that has the authority. We're already proclaiming the authority that exists when Jesus took the power of death and hell And went and sat before the father, sat at the right hand of the father, for I'm going to say something wrong, and makes intercessions for us. Why would we fight with broken weapons when Jesus says, go out there in my name. Deal with it in my name. Deal with it in my strength. Deal with it in my might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Ironically enough, it has to tell us several times to take on the whole armor of God. Don't just take the shield or the boots or whatever. Take the whole armor of God. I used to hear stories about people, they would, they would get up every morning, and they would uh, say, hey, before every morning when I get up, I read my devotions, and then I put on the armor of God. And I says, you know, when, when people are young, you don't go and tell them that they're not doing things right. You let them figure out how things are as they go. It's like telling my kids, hey, what happens to the wheels of the airplane? Because we would watch them. When the plane takes off, oh, well, it gets to a point and it drops the wheels off and then it has another set. So when it gets ready to land, it just pops out the extra set. That's how they thought of it. Okay, that's cute. I didn't want to destroy that because it wasn't the right time to tell them that you're you're not exactly accurate, even though you understand that something has to happen to the tires. So when people say I have to put on the whole armor of God every morning, I don't tell them that's an inaccurate statement. I don't tell them that they're juvenile. At least they're doing it. But the thing about it is, what the whole armor of God is, is militarized principles of faith that we already have in our lives. It's training us to look at it from a combat perspective. The shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the feet shod with the gospel of the preparation of peace, and all the sword of the word of God, which we'll go over briefly. But all of these are already principles as Christians that we have in our lives. We just don't look at them as weapons. We look at them as many different other things. But when we're in a fight, these very same principles are defensive and offensive weapons that we need to be aware of. Number one. Having girded your waist with truth, the very fact that that belt held up all of the things covering their loins, we know that. So your loins are covered with truth. Everything being held together in your armor is held together by truth. But another fact of this is that some of the soldiers, their rank and identity was also dictated by their belt, which asks us the question, are we people of truth when we go stand in the world? Or are we people of deception? You say, well, what do you mean? I don't lie to people. Well, okay, then I won't, I won't pick on you guys. I'll pick on Seku. When Seiku goes to DJ somewhere or go work with other DJs, do I go to them as the, the PMG DJ, the Christian DJ, this is what I do and I don't do that? Or do I go around them and say, you know, they won't accept me as a Christian, therefore I'm going to go and I'm going to sag my pants, I'm going to turn my hat to the side, and I'm going to act like one of them. So my appearance to them is not truthful. I'm just trying to fit in, but if my appearance is truthful, if my whole makeup is put together by a belt of truth, then my identity is, this is who I am, warts and all, ugliness, the prettiness, the good things, the bad things, but I will tell you exactly who I am and not force anything or hold anything back, this is who I am, that is approaching truth. Because when we start dealing with deception, that's when we open up the doorway for the adversary to take advantage. Breastplate of righteousness. Something that protects our heart. Righteousness. We have righteousness. It doesn't come from us. It comes from Christ Jesus. As a matter of fact, our righteousness is as filthy rags. When we get up and think that we're doing something... Uh, And and you can test this in your own life. The days that we feel like, man, I got everything right, I'm doing everything good, I am saved. And then you go and you cuss somebody out or you flip somebody off in your car, don't act like you don't do that. Uh, (laughs) and, And you have that bad day. All of a sudden, your heart is convicted and you're not as bold as you should be. Because now you went back into thinking my righteousness is what makes this work but we're covered with Christ's righteousness. And when we wear that as a breastplate of righteousness to protect our heart, then when things try to come at us, yes, God is changing me. He is converting me. Every day is not going to be perfect, but I can still stand before the Father with righteousness that is not something that I have done, but something that he has given me. And meanwhile, if you want to, you know, you can look at this guy right here who happens to have all of these things on. You guys look at them like every Saturday. It's a Very nice piece of work done uh, back when we first opened. Shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The, the, there's a, a lot of principles in this. We could go on all day, we're not. But one of the things is they had hobnails in them so that they could have good traction. Uh, they could have steady footing. Plus, I don't know about you, but I tried to walk barefoot in this Arizona you know, summer like some people I know. It's brutal. You need something to, pro- to protect your feet. But there's a principle about feet. Jesus, uh, God told uh, Abraham, go in the land, walk up and down. I will give you this land to possess. When you walk over something, it's a sign of possession. It's a sign of, of, of domination. But when we go somewhere to stand and put our foot down and take ownership, our feet are shod with the gospel of the preparation of peace. We don't go to own and stand up and say, I am taking over this company for Seku. I am taking over this area for Seku." We are going somewhere and standing tall, taking over for Jesus Christ. And anybody who is up underneath that, we don't minister as a dictator. We minister as a servant trying to push them to the gospel. Above all, taking the shield of faith to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. This shield of faith is something that protects you away from your body. That any fiery dart that comes against you should hit the shield first and not even get to testing the rest of your armor. Faith. Without faith, Ray, it is what? It is impossible to please God. You can't do it. So having this shield of faith, what does that mean? Well, when somebody calls me lazy... It's going back and saying, I walk by faith and not by sight. What did my father say about me? That I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And instead of allowing the adversary to say, yep, you're going back down that road again. You're going to be the same old person like your pops and like somebody else. No. My Lord has made me a new creature in Christ. I'm looking into a mirror. I have not seen fully what I'm going to become, but I know that as I see Christ Jesus, I'm being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. So whatever lie that Satan tries to bring at you to remind you about your past, that shield of faith stops those fiery darts before they even test the rest of your armor so that you can stand behind the very promises and the very words that the father has spoken over you both personally and in his word. Then he says, "Take on the helmet of salvation, which protects your head, which protects your thoughts." In 1 Thessalonians 5:8 it says, "The hope of salvation. There are sometimes that we get to thinking in this world like today is the only day that matters. And we forget the fact that if they take us out or if we keep going, for me to live is for you, and for me to die is gain. If I'm living, Praise God, I have a work to do. If somebody happens to kill me or I reach the age where God says, you know what, it's time for you to come home, then to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But until then, until then, my helmet of salvation constantly keeps my head protected and reminds me, you know what, I am saved. I know I'm going down this road, I got this going on, but I remember the fact that I'm saved and I was not saved for this. Then he turns around and gives them the only offensive weapon that they have. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You say, well, come on now. that You mean to tell me I'm supposed to speak God's word and it's supposed to make a change? Let me remind you of Genesis 1 via he or he or in other words in hebrew it says uh let there be light there was light god said that and it happened if god's word is powerful enough to take something that's chaotic called creation at that point and speak light and order to it then what makes you think his word isn't going to be any more powerful when you speak it by the spirit of god in the situation you face Somebody told me in this church when we were talking about something, he says, you know, you speak the word and you speak the word and you let the word do the transformative power. If that word has effect on us, what makes you think that word is not going to have effect on the situations that are around you? If anything, you would look at it and say, why aren't you trying to why are you trying to dissuade me from speaking the word of God? Why are you trying to get me to shut my mouth? Because you look at Saul and you look at David and Saul and his insecurities went and hid in the tent. And David, with what he knew, and he knew because God had proven it in his life over and over, said boldly, This uncircumcised Philistine will fall to Saul. Then goes out there, and while Saul is of uh, Saul, Goliath is going, Have you sent a boy out to meet me? Am I a dog? You have sent this kid out? And the kid speaks up boldly, where he, everybody else would think it's crazy, but he speaks boldly, God will deliver you into my hands. And what happened? The bigger they are, the harder they fall. Lastly, it says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance. Hmm, Seems to be a popular word today. And supplication for all the saints. In other words, number one, Do we spend the majority of our time communicating with God as we are? Don't answer that. It's a rhetorical question. Something for you to think about. Praying always with all prayer. Not just for me, but praying about every situation I'm dealing with. Having that radio antenna in my head, in my spirit, not in my head, tune in to the voice of God in constant prayer as I'm going throughout the day. And then as I'm watching the things that are going on around me, and as God puts that burden on my heart, I start lifting up those situations to him. Lord, I see this person is hurting. I see this situation is going on. I see that this trap is being laid. Father, I commend my spirit into your hands. Father, I commend these people into your hands. Help me, Lord, to know what it is that you would have me to do. Always communicating with God. You say, well, it's not that serious. Yes, it is. Culturally, whether you're, no matter what culture, because I've been in white churches, I've been in Hispanic churches, I've been in black churches, I've been in Lutheran churches. I don't remember most of the Lutheran service because I think I fell asleep. Um, Sorry, Steve. (laughs) I'm just being humorous. But in all of them, in all of them, that sense of community can be under undermined by that sense of exclusivity which means that we're not looking out for the body of Christ we're just looking out for our own and that's not how Christ has developed us to be able to see no matter what's going on with the people around us and take it to God and say you know what Lord the reason why I'm standing in the middle of the situation, dealing with the fight, dealing with the attack of the adversary and dealing with all the things going on is because you have me here for a work to do and to let my light shine. I pray today that you remember that as a soldier, as a man or woman of God, you will be attacked. Yea, and all those who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's not a might. It's going to happen because you and I stand with a light that not only conquers darkness, but it heals souls. It delivers people out of bondage. And that's a powerful thing in this world. And yes, because you even name the name of Jesus Christ, you will come under attack. And so this reminder is to go back and remember as you go on through the course of your day. And to remind each other. And yes, even to remind Seku, you know what? You have a shield of faith. How did we put it down? You have a helmet of salvation. Put it back on again. You have a breastplate of righteousness. Put it back on again. Where did you get this deception from? Let's get back to the truth. And remind each other so that we can stand strong in the day of attack and continue doing the Lord's mission instead of hiding in a tent. While Goliath speaks negatively about us and about what God is doing among us. You say, well, that sounds personal. Yes, I'm talking about to the least of these. I'm also talking about the church as a whole in the whole entire world. Because we're not the only church. Our brothers and sisters face attack. And we should be right there beside them, helping them and holding them up. Because one day we're going to need them to do the same for us. Remember this. Our armor has failed us and will continue to fail us, but we put it together with duct tape and bailing wire and chewing gum, bubble yum, and hubba-bubba because that's the only thing that we thought we knew. But God has given you a new set of armor and a new way of standing as a Christian, as a man or woman of God in this dark and perverse generation, and he is telling you that his armor will not fail you. Let's pray. Father, as we get ready to do communion and as we look at where we're at, we're here because of the sacrifice of your son Jesus Christ. We're here because of your love for us when we were unlovable. And now Lord, because of the name of Jesus Christ, because of the attacks that we face and the servants not greater than the master, we ask you Father to keep us mindful of the armor that you have covered us with, so that we can stand, not in our ability, but in what you have given us, not with our know-how, but by the, the dictation of your spirit and what you tell us. That as your word says, I will tell you the way, this is the way, walk ye in it, and you will tell us to turn to the right or to the left. Lord, we ask you to reaffirm us through your spirit so that we stand strong and that the, the things that would try to bypass our armor, we're not worried about, it's your armor, Lord. And that you're covering our weakness you're covering our insecurities because in our weakness your strength is made perfect father help us to stand strong in the power of your might in whatever challenges face us internally or externally we pray this in jesus mighty name amen and amen the blood of jesus christ is a great way of showing that what men think is strength is not. Here is the king of all creation who allowed himself to come in the form of a servant and be executed by the very people he was trying to save. He died to save the people that executed. And if you think, well, I'm not Jewish, I'm not Roman and I wasn't there in that time. If we sinned, he was executed for our sin. But he died so that we could be saved. His death overcame the grave. His death overcame our past. His death overcame the hold of the wicked one. And so as the true king, he fought in a way that the world, the flesh, and the devil didn't understand. But it had powerful and eternal effects on all of us, even to this point. And that is our example. So as we take of the blood and the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, let us pray that we understand the strength of Jesus and that we can in this world follow suit. Would you all stand? There we go. Paul writes in the same formula that was given to him, and it's the same formula that was done in the upper, uh, in during the Passover. He didn't change, and we don't change. We're doing the same thing that brothers and sisters in Christ have done for at least 2,000 years. And we join them in remembering the strength and the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus and his overcoming and in making us overcomers. For I received from the Lord that which also I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. Father, thank you for the body of our Lord Jesus Christ that was broken for each and every one of us. We pray that as we consume of the body that it unifies each and every one of us, that we stand not as individuals, but as one church under the head of Jesus Christ, standing in the ministry that you have called us to stand in, in Jesus' name, amen. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for our redemption, for our atonement. This blood that heals, this blood that covers, this blood that delivers. We pray, Lord, that as we partake of it, that you show us our deliverance, that you show us our covering, that you show us where you have made us whole, that where you are healing us, so that we can be affirmed in you. In Jesus' name, amen. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as, you, as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The Bible says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. For often as each and every one of us rise from this table, we go out and proclaim his life in the world until we are called home. I don't want to sugarcoat it and I don't want to be a dentist. I can't say that either. I don't want to say Debbie Downer because we got two Debbies in here. Now I said, Dennis Downer the other day, and then I realized we got a Dennis in here. So I don't want to depress people. We should have joy because of the strength that we have on the inside of us. Don't let the war weary you. When you do find yourself in a position of getting weary, there's a reason why we don't stand alone. Grab a brother. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. At least grab one person But if thou wilt be perfect grab two but either way at the end of it be able to say i am weary grab another believer and say look we can't go on like this how do i get my strength back help me and the bible says where two or more gathered in my name There I am in the midst. You may not even know how to pray or what to pray for, but the minute you get Jesus Christ in your midst, he has the ability to say, this is what you need. This is what you need to strengthen yourself. This is what you need. You may not even know what you need, but I'm going to go ahead and supply it. You just worry about recovering. You'll eventually figure out what you got as you go down the road. So this war, this fight is not meant to say, oh, my goodness, another day, another battle. This fight is the honor that we have been given that we can stand for the true king of the world until he destroys it and makes all things new. And it starts with us. Praise God for that opportunity. Praise God that we can lift up the mighty name of Jesus and see change. Praise God that we can lift up the mighty name of Jesus and see power. Praise God that we can lift up the mighty name of Jesus and say, you know what? That's our husband. And us as the church, we are his bride. We are one. Let's pray. Father, as we get ready to dismiss and do the benediction, we pray, Lord, that you just give us that courage to face whatever challenge happens to us as we go throughout this week and as we go throughout life. In Jesus' name, would you all lift your hands? Now, may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, Through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever, let the powerful church of Jesus Christ say, "Amen Amen and Amen. God bless you.